Hi everyone, um, this is uh, episode 54 of the Creative Me podcast and as you might be able to tell, I'm not Aika. Um, my name's Jo Muir, I was interviewed by Aika about a year ago now and since then we've become really good pals and um, he's asked me and two other um, creative people in Aberdeen that he's previously interviewed to take over the podcast for him while he goes and starts up with a little family, which is lovely. So um, for the next few months, you're going to be hearing from three different people's points of view and interviewing maybe a different range of people in the city, which is kind of cool, hopefully. Um, so today, for my first podcast, I'm going to interview Alan Sinek. Um, he's another of the resident artists at the Anatomy Rooms, but he is also, you might know him as Kitchen Cynic, the musician. Him for about a year now, and his work is really interesting. Does lovely collages, and which he transfers on to um, album covers. And there's a big crossover between his art and his music, I think. And I've always thought it might be interesting to learn a little bit more about him. So, hopefully, today in our chat, you'll get to find out more. So, hope you enjoy, and I'll catch you up at the end. Bye. So I'm here today with Alan Sinek. How are you doing today? Doing fine, but doing much. fine. Yeah. Good, good. And we're just going to chat a bit about like your art and being a musician and artist and all the other things you've done in your life. So uh, don't put in the prison bits. <laughs> we'll leave out the <laughs> low, low side <laughs> of the years. Yeah, the bank um, I just thought maybe it'd be good if you start off by just telling people a little bit about your background, like what came to bring you to have a studio at the Anatomy Rooms. At the Anatomy Rooms, yeah, okay. Um, well, Aberdeen born and bred, went to art school here, but in those days you were told there was a local preference, I don't think that's a thing anymore, so it was... Oh really? Yeah, so lots of folk from my era kind of went to the local art school, but uh, that was maybe a pile of rubbish, it was just told, but uh, yeah. um, and then I kind of chickened out when I finished and went into teaching, which mm-hmm. was great, enjoyed it for about 25 years. 25 years yeah, well, you? I enjoyed the 25, but the last five after that, I did mm-hmm. 30 years of it, was kind of beginning to get a bit stressful. So I managed to get early retirement, uh-huh. but to concentrate on the music, which is what I'd been doing, you know, as a kind of light relief from the teaching side. Yeah, yeah. I'd been doing music for years. So that was the main reason for getting out, to do music. Um, but... As part of the music side of things, I started doing collages for LP covers. Mm-hmm. So if there was 100 LPs, every one of those 100 had to have a separate collaged cover. Yeah. And I was needing space. I'd done one album that way for a band that I'm in. Um, and it was quite messy in the flat, having lots of paper <laughs> everywhere and then tidying it up every time. Was, that was weird. And so I knew that the Natme rooms had been open for a while, so I asked... Jim Ewan if it was a chance of getting a room on a short term let so uh, I got a room downstairs room two Mm -hmm. for I think it was a two or three month temporary let between proper lets and was able to rattle through the collages but I liked doing it so much and I liked the environment so much that I said to Jim if was, was there any chance of continuing and he said well not in this room because somebody's coming in, that's why it was a short-term let. He said, but there's a room upstairs 
which is a bit dearer. Said, but yeah, I'll show you that and see what you think. So yeah. this, that was this room. So of course, I fell in love with it as soon as I saw it. So, uh-huh. yeah. And you certainly like made, turned it into like your vision. Like your work yeah, is yeah, like really, really it like feels it. like you're inside a piece of your work when yeah, you're in here. It's yeah, cool. it does kind of got it's got a nice kind of feel to it. I think. But to, yeah. at one point, Jim offered me a sofa to take him. But I, think <laughs> if I, if I had that, I would never be. That'll be the end. I would be sleeping here and staying for twenty-four hours. So. Well, that's the good thing about being open to it for hours, isn't it? Yeah, it's got access yeah. and stuff like that. Well, occasionally I do work late. I was I was at some of the Granite Noir last Sunday, mm-hmm. and I'd been in the middle of doing a collage. It was keen to get finished, so when that finished, I came back in here yeah. for a couple of hours late at night. But uh, I don't find it at all off-putting to come into at night because there's security lights on and everything. So. Yeah, I've always felt that as well. Like when me and the guy that used to be in your room here when we were collaborating like it was we used to always be here at night that we were never here during the day yeah. but it felt like it was just like a home from home yeah. you put your music on and it's like oh, you don't really lovely. think about it do you, you just, time just flies past yeah it's a really lovely space to be in um yeah so your collages that you make like have you always made them you mentioned kind of there about making them for other people. Do you make covers for other bands as well or is it always just being like exclusively your own music that you sort of do it started off being my own music. I got into collages really probably in the 1980s when I wrote a course about surrealism. Oh yeah, and, yeah I totally get that when you yeah, And, you know, I, I always liked Max Ernst and people like that. So part of the course when I wrote it was to get the, the class that I was teaching to do with their own collage. And they liked it because it was weird and they could mm-hmm. have a bit of humour yeah, in it and all yeah, that. Yeah. So I always did a demonstration one. So... Um, and then when I first started doing cassettes, which would have been in the late 70s, early 80s, I'd, I'd done collages before you, were, before you were alive. I'd done collages for covers for them, so I'd been in the habit of doing them anyway. So, uh, so I, a lot of my early self-release stuff has got collaged covers. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of moved on to old family photos and I used them as covers. Um, and I came back to doing collages for, you know, record and CD covers probably about sometime in the last five or ten years, I think. But I have done for other people. I did for Craig Davidson's King Repulsion album. Yeah. And he's asked me to do Sleeve for the next one coming out, mm-hmm. yeah, which is going to be called, I think, Queen Compulsion, I think. So it's a kind of, you know, bookend to the last one. So Because yeah. I did the cover for that that one. He's got another one out, actually, in between. But because I'd done the cover for King Repulsion, he wanted me to do the cover for Queen Compulsion, I think. So I've got that to do. But I've been doing other covers for other folks, but they, they haven't always been collages. There's a pen and ink one with birds on it that I did. Um, I was going to say, how would you think your work's like changed? Does it always involve collage, or do you feel like you did you start off? Was it what did you do at Grays? Was, was it painting? painting? I did at Grays. Yeah. Because um, I thought it might be printmaking. Because when I sometimes see your pen and ink, it looks almost like wood cuts and stuff. And I thought maybe. Yeah. yeah well, I did do etching. I liked. I liked doing yeah. etching. And I actually taught etching for a while, but then it got outlawed because uh, we weren't allowed to use the acids. So. You know, health and safety knocked that on the head, really. Well, they let us do it when we were yeah. <laughs> I remember doing that. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> um, but that was, that was good fun. But uh, 
Yeah, well, I was never really confident, particularly in my drawing skills, but the kind of painting I did, I came through when everybody was doing big, loose abstracts. Yeah. And I was trying to do fairly tight paintings at the time. I liked people like James Cowie, mm. um, kind of Scottish painting of the 30s, that kind of quiet yeah. stuff. And that, that was, I think, my personality suited that. So I came through at a time when what I was doing just wasn't really the thing at all. Um, but it but probably after, made you stand out more. Well, maybe, but uh, um, perhaps. Uh, but five years after I left, all the Glasgow boys mm-hmm. came, came through, Wisniewski and people like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think I would have been more in tune with if I'd, but if I'd kept painting, but I hadn't by that time. I'd kind of gone into teaching. So yeah. And then I was too tired at, you know, to come home and do any work. I did take a studio for a while in Wasps when it was in the Station Hotel. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was in there. Yeah, it was in there when it first when the first oh, started. Oh, that's crazy! I totally didn't know that. But it was when it was empty. Mm-hmm. It was, but it was kind of weird to go in at night because it was like up five flights of stairs. Yeah. And every floor was empty, and that was kind of weird. That was not like coming in here. And it was like a cre- it was like a ho- empty hotel. A big empty hotel. Yeah. yeah. Was I was working away. I, I thought on my own one night quite late. <laughs> I was younger. It was about after midnight. I was painting away, and there was a tap tap on my door, which had a little window in it, and it was one of my, well, I wasn't sure I looked round a bit, <laughs> and it was a little dwarf, it was a garden gnome, my mate of mine thought it was humorous to come and tap at the window, <laughs> back at midnight, you know, I assumed I was working away now, and he was working in another room, so that kind of freaked me out, but yeah, um, but, so I used to do quite tight painting to get back to your question, mm-hmm. but because of doing the collages, I've kind of come back to the paintings that I've done in the past and I'm trying to make them less realistic and more more a mix of images that don't totally make sense together. So I'm throwing in... It does have a real surreal quality, yeah. but it's very different to like the collages, I guess, because you're yeah. using images that have already been created by someone else. Yes. Whereas yeah. you're completely creating this. Yes, yes, I am. But I'm inclined still to get dragged towards the whole painting seeming to have a, a conventional reality to it, which I don't want them to have. But I enjoy doing them. Yeah. And that's what I should be doing just now. Mm-hmm. But I haven't touched the two that I'm in the middle of doing for a few months because I've been so busy rattling off hundreds of collages for LP covers. So yeah. And th- is that a similar project to when you first moved into the studios? What you're doing now with yeah, the hundreds? Yeah, I've been noticing it on Facebook, like, every day they're yeah, numbered. Yeah, it's exactly it's really the cool, same, like except it. they're smaller. The, I'll show you. There's the... These are... Oh, yeah. Uh, that's the ones that I was doing when I first came in. Mm-hmm. So they, they take up a whole front cover of an LP, old style. And then what I'm doing now is uh, smaller, so it's quicker to do them. I was, I was aware I was a bit pushed for time this time. So I've done about 55 of 99 I've got to do. Yeah. And then I've got another 60 to do for a, a record label in Sheffield called Sonido Polyphonico. So I've got... Every, <laughs> one, got of those, on. <laughs> every one of those has got to have a corvid bird in it, so... That's one of the ones for the one. So is that. Uh, oh, yeah. So they're a wee bit great. bigger, so I've got 60 of them to do, but I've only done about 15. So. Mm-hmm. 
Um, do you feel like you work quite well when you've got multiple projects on at the same time, or does that is that how you tend to work? Well, what I intended to do. You wish you weren't working like that. <laughs> well, I'm kind of. I was happy with it until this week, to be honest. What, but what my intention was originally was to do what I used to do at home, which was spend the winter months when it was kind of dark mm. doing music and then spend the summer months when I was getting good light because I like painting by natural light really, uh, to do painting but that always goes by the board and I never stick to yeah. that so what I'm trying to do now is split the day so I spend half of it doing music and half of it doing artwork but currently because I'm got you know, working to a deadline that's a bit tight for the collages the music's slightly taken uh, a back step, really. Having said that, I just found out you know, at the end of last week that a guy is reissuing some of the music from the 1980s. Yeah. And he's <laughs> needing them transferred from cassette to wave files, and he's needing them very soon. So I just took in an old cassette player this week, and I've been spending a bit of time transferring these old tapes into a recorder to change them into waves, which that's causing me stress because it's taking time. That yeah. It's not something I'm enjoying doing. I don't like listening to the old stuff because I think it's rubbish. And, uh, <laughs> also, Everybody thinks that about stuff yeah, they've done though ages ago, don't they? It's kind of embarrassing listening back to stuff that I recorded, you know, 40 years ago almost. You know. um, that's crazy. So that's not a really great thing to be doing, but to, and also I'm finding it just a bit irritating, really having technically to do it when I'd rather somebody else could do that for me. Yeah, like I'm not being creative. I'm just yeah. yeah. And how do you find like the balance between music and art? Do you think that both of them for you are as important as each other, or yeah. are they hand in hand? Like, could you ever see, you know, like would you ever like not do art for ages because you really wanted to just do music for years, or? Do you really always feel like, no, but I, I like to be creative while I'm making music? It's like, to you, it's one big thing? Or? Yeah, it's, it's become one big thing again. I wasn't really doing much artwork when I was working because I was arted out by the end yeah. of the day. I was just coming You're home. You're just knackered, yeah. Totally whacked, yeah. I was falling asleep. When I first started teaching, I used to come home and fall asleep instantly. But And then you get into the way of it. But it was mentally tiring latterly. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had about 20-odd years where I... I would come home and I just wanted to sit and read or listen to music. I didn't want to do anything really. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm through all that and I've, you know, I'm out of the daily grind of it, I'm happy to to come back and do the artwork and give it equal footing to the music. Yeah. Uh, which I'm enjoying again really a lot. So. Yeah. I saw. Um, I was looking up stuff about you the other day on the internet, and I saw this like. Uh, blog that uh, Mood of Collapse, you know, John Reed oh, yeah. had written. I think it was about a show that you did at Keelau like in 2017. Yeah. And um, he called you like a local musical experimenter, which I yeah. thought was like a really cool way of describing <laughs> you generally. But like, but like, I find it kind of works quite well with your art as well because when you do collage, like when you start cutting up pieces or you have all these found images from books and stuff, do you feel like when you make one, you kind of are tell there is a narrative to it or is it you know because it's real quality to it because when you give 
you came to my birthday party on Friday and you gave mm-hmm. me that one. Mm-hmm. I was looking at it and I felt like I could read things into yeah. it. Yeah. Like there was almost a little story inside yeah. it. And do you feel like you're doing that or is it unintentional? It's, or? it's, it's semi-intentional. I think it's probably subconsciously something's coming through. I'm not... Yeah. I was being asked the other week if if I did preparatory sketches or if I played about yeah. and came up with, you know, competitions and things. I said, no, I just start and I just stick it down. But oh, do you? You don't, you don't like, lay the bits out loose before um, you stick them? I, I usually gather images that I think will work together. Mm-hmm. They'll be quite disparate in that they don't work contextually together, but they'll work together as far as shape and colour goes or they'll work with the setting that I'm mm-hmm. putting them on. Um, but what I do do, and I think this is just through having taught this way for years, is I'm very conscious about the shapes I'm creating, and I'll try and repeat shapes. In fact, I was just doing one just now where there's a an image of a Plantagenet queen, and she's got big cone mm-hmm. cone hairstyle with two cones sticking out. Yeah. So that sparked me to deliberately find a cat with the two ears sticking out. So I try and repeat shapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or within the same image. Within the same image. So yeah. there's a big S-curve in it somewhere. I'll repeat S-curves in mm-hmm. it. So that, that I'm very consciously doing, but I'm not consciously thinking about how the images sit together. Occasionally when I'm doing it, I'll suddenly think to put in something funny. An odd yeah. thing, yeah, yeah, like almost like a twist in yeah, the image. Yeah, a little twist in the image that people will find witty. But I don't set out to do that when, before I start. It just it just happens. I like using old images, but that the reason I got back into doing collages a few years ago was that my mother died, mm-hmm. and we were clearing out the flat. Um, ultimately, it turned out my son moved into it, so I didn't need to clear it out, but that wasn't the way it was you know, seen at the time. So I was clearing out and there were two um, sets of diction eight no children's encyclopedias. Oh wow, one yeah. set that had been my mum's from the nineteen thirties, mm-hmm. Arthur Mee's children's Encyclop- encyclopedia. And one that I think had been my sister's from the nineteen fifties. And offered them to my son. He didn't want them, he didn't want big heavy books yeah. clutter them down. He's a young guy that likes travelling light, you know. Um I offered them to my sister and she didn't want them, lack of space as well. And I didn't want to just bin them. I put all our useful books out to charity shops, you know, ones that, you know, to do with local history that I had copies of as well. I put all of those out to charity shops. But I didn't want to, I knew that these wouldn't be of any use to the charity shops, the old children's encyclopedias, because you see them regularly, you know, for next to nothing there. So... What I thought I would do then was take the images out mm-hmm. and use them to create artwork. I thought my mum would have approved of that. that I yeah, was getting nice some, way to sort of... Yeah, some use of them. Yeah. I mean, I read them all when I was small. I used, mm-hmm. to, I used to take the encyclopedias out the library. Yeah. Because it was like, you think it was the only interesting thing. Because I used to like love looking at all the images and just I think, yeah. the size of the book as well itself. There was something about encyclopedias that were just like really interesting. Well, I used to love thumbing through them as well mm-hmm. and also I quite liked when they were old ones so that there was stuff in it that was pre my everyday mm-hmm. um, observation you know like old stuff from the 1940s and 30s well it was 30s and I was I mean I was intrigued with things like photos with the zeppelins in them all that kind of stuff I really liked so, yeah um, that's these are the kind of images that I like using within the collages somewhere as well so. 
Yeah. And like the reusing of the images as well, like it's that's quite a nice thing because it's like you're sort of creating the narrative, you're choosing like how these things are together. So you're taking things from like polar opposites and yeah. things from totally different parts of the world and stuff and sitting them next to each other in different eras yeah. and it's creating like a new way of people looking at these things and seeing them and reading into them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um when you did the first set of 100, you sold them, did you? didn't you? Did people choose them? Was they it something like that? They chose them, yeah, because they were all on LP covers. So Did you feel um, like it was it quite... It was really popular, wasn't it? Like yeah, it's, were... it sold out. The second batch, we've still got about 10 of the 100 left, I think. Yeah. Um, but to, you know, we sell them at gigs, so usually... Yeah, because you've had a gig in here, haven't you? And you yeah, have like, some of your framed like collages and stuff like that. Yeah. And, it's a really accessible art form, I think, as well, like how you make it. Um, yeah. What's the biggest collage you've done? Do you always tend to stick to that size, or is it...? I, I think probably the biggest I've done is A3, so not very big. But I was actually thinking that yeah, I might attempt a, a huge you know, one. <laughs> door-sized one would be quite good fun, I think. Yeah, know? yeah. And is there any project that you've always wished you could do? Like, the, like if you're a dream project, art-wise? Mm. Or combining mm. art and your music? Is there something that... Oh, yeah, well, uh, I've, I've often thought it'd be quite good to do like an action painting thing mm -hmm. along with a live musical improv. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have heard of other people doing that, but, you know, obviously mine... Like would... a performative kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. Well, just having, like, a big canvas hanging up and then getting things on the go with other people so there are loops and other people are doing things on top. Yeah. And then you can go up... And I might start doing images. It'd be quite good if it was a combined thing. And somebody else, I went back and played something. And somebody else came up and added to it. Yeah. Rather than just a big abstract thing, which I, you know would be quite feasible. Really, it would go along with kind of more abstract music. Really. Um, I think I've loosened off more in my music than I have in my art because I used to be scared to do improvisational music. Yeah. And then probably about fifteen years ago, I joined a local band called Micklemas. Mm-hmm. And through working with them, I, I got to the stage where I was quite gung-ho about it. I would go yeah, in and yeah. just do anything, you know, Fluid, yeah. make noises and mm -hmm. disturb the pickups on the guitar and stuff. So my own music is kind of more folky, singer songwriter but I try and throw in some of that into it. So I think with the art, I would quite like to, you know, take try something into it that, that yeah. you know, was a bit less... The, the usual thing that I do. Because do you find it quite repetitive when you do collages? Like, do you enjoy the repetitiveness, of yeah. the nature, you know, the way you produce it? If you know I quite I mean. enjoy that. It's yeah. like a escape, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's good it that your is. music is like yeah, maybe, yeah. one way, and then it gives you space to be like free, really free in one thing, but you like to have part of something. That's probably true enough. Yes. Yeah. yeah I do. I do enjoy doing. The only time I've not enjoyed doing collages was the. First batch of 100 LPs, so two LPs ago. Well, three if you don't count the new one. Um, I did the back, I haven't got any of those here because they were so but I did the back covers as a map, but I collaged together different maps. I cut very carefully along streets. Ah, cool. So it looked like, you know, for instance, it looked like you'd be going along Upper Maastricht Way, mm -hmm. and then you'd turn into the Rue de Rivoli in Paris, and then further down. You'd be going into some bit of South London. Oh, cool! It was, it was, it, they looked great. 
and people liked them, but I was demented after doing about 20 because it was so repetitive doing nothing but maps. So mm -hmm. I saw I was never going to do that again. It, was, it wasn't image-based so much, but they were intriguing, but uh, they weren't, after about you know, 20 odd, they weren't much fun to do. Yeah, it becomes like, sometimes you get like that, though you have this dream of a piece of work and it, the more you do it, the more you're like, oh, maybe this isn't, maybe one was enough. Or... Yeah, I, mean, I think a maximum of five would have been enough. And how do you feel about having a studio and like, how do you feel about the anatomy rooms and things like? I really like the anatomy I like the atmosphere yeah. and I like the the ambience of it being an old place where other things have happened in. Mm -hmm. And I like the, the fact that it's been utilised yeah. as a Something. teaching place for, for anatomy particularly. I really like that. I like the idea that that, that was happening in here. And I suspect these rooms up here might have been professors' rooms. Yeah, that's what I'd heard as well, that it was like they might have been like little professors' offices or something like that. Because yeah. they do seem a bit fancier with, do, our, yeah. with our little fireplaces. And the lovely uh, lead. Beautiful windows. Lead, leaded glass windows. I like the fact you can stand at that window and you can look down to where the bodies used to get loaded in. Yeah. That. It'd for be great if that was like a bit outside, you know, like an outside space for the artists yeah. and stuff yes. to be in, yeah, yeah. Um, like a little garden or something yeah. since it's got a wall around it. But yeah, I never know. It's kind of thing that might happen. I know that Jim's yeah. always trying to gain more. Well, that's space. it right now. Getting that space emptied yeah. and stuff. It's really good. It's really positive for um, the city and stuff to have studios like this. I guess. I also find that uh, it's just good speaking to other people because when I was working at home, mm -hmm. you can get too just caught up in your own way of doing things and and you can't really spark off at other people just, just even just through ordinary conversation whereas you come in here and it's usually pretty busy when I when I first came in it was fairly quiet in the mornings mm -hmm. but now there's quite a few people coming in you know I'm often first in but within half an hour or an hour there's quite often another four or five people about yeah and have you seen any? You, is there anything that you could say you've seen in the last while that's like really like inspired you? Like especially in Aberdeen, have you seen any good artwork or anything? Well, I was in to see the the opening um, last week. That was uh, called Oral Suspension. It was a combined oh, the show. Oh, Look Against Me. Yeah, David Blythe and Nick Gordon in the Look yeah. Against Me in St Andrews Street. That I quite liked because it was it was humorous, but it worked visually you, you know you could ignore the humor if you wanted or mm -hmm. you could enjoy the humor and it worked both ways which I liked um, I liked David's small sculptures kind of thing I did like doing you know I used to like doing things with old dolls heads put onto other yeah. objects and you know that, that can be a bit freaky as well I saw an image it was like was it like a sandcastle bucket with a light inside it was ah, it yeah. something like yeah, that? It yeah, was like it, glowing red. Yes, they had, a, they had that. Apparently it was a bit quite difficult to get that all set up safely. Yeah, yes, it didn't go fire. Yeah, but they had video elements in the show as well, so it was, that was good. And I enjoyed yeah. uh, Phoebe's show in the anatomy rooms with the, yeah, it was the really videos. Good, wasn't it? And I think, you know, your own show <laughs> with, with the video-based stuff I quite like as well. That's a, a way I'd quite like to explore. I used to teach video production years ago but mm -hmm. it was old VCR videotape but we had very good machines that you could freeze you know they were and had good um, 
effects machines. I gave one of them to John Reed. Oh, so, yeah, I sort yeah. of regret it now because I picked up. Are you listening to that, John? Yeah. I picked up a couple of old VHS cameras, so I quite like you know old distressed tape effects. And I used yeah, to do yeah, video yeah. production myself and made little music videos of my own things. Never did anything with them because it was pre internet. But I would quite like to do all of that. Only thing is, I would need to get you know, a laptop that's got memory in it because I'm still working. That thing there is probably about 12 years old. I've had people coming in to studio laughing at that. But what I've got at home is even older. It's <laughs> 2002 uh, old computer of my mum's. So they're, they're all clogged up with music and things and they can't, yeah. they can't download new programs on them. Even the new ones though, I've got a MacBook Pro and like literally, like I got it when I wanted to start making films and stuff. Well, short videos um, for my work and that and like it's already, it's always going to me. You are out of memory. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh my God, like... That was what got me initially. External hard drives everywhere. <laughs> I, I taught video production very happily when it was VCR tape based mm-hmm. because the classes all had their own tape. Yeah. So they could come in and you know do their editing and uh, then they'd go off with their tape. And it was all, well, I would say reasonably safe. There was always a thought things could get taped over, and mm-hmm. that, was, that was definitely true. But there was no problem with storage. But when we moved to digital media, it was the, the first of the IMAX, you know, the ones that kind of slope back. The looks. Was that the white ones with the coloured backs? Yeah, that were they like looked different kind of more color. modern compared They were like that greys when I went to PCs. Greys, yeah. Yeah, well, years ago. But we had problems with storage, mm-hmm. so that if I was wanting to teach you know, more than one person things, because you were getting classes of 16, 17 doing media studies, 20 sometimes, um, the computer just hung up. It was before the days that everybody would have external hard drives that you could save onto. Mm-hmm. So I stopped teaching it because it was too much hassle, it was too much grief technically um, to, to actually do stuff because you know, you'd be in the middle of doing something and the computer would run out of memory. But I'd quite like to get back into that. I did use um, iMovie, which I know is very, very basic, and we used a slightly more sophisticated programme, the name of which escapes me now, but I'd need to relearn yeah. all of that. To it's funny, people ask, like, when I make stuff, like, I just use iMovie or, like, really, really simple programs because I'm not really into that either. It's not really my cup of tea. Like, I just see it as, like, I know what I want to make as a piece of work, but I'm not really interested in the... It's not really about the process. It's not about yeah. becoming a skilled in something to me. It's like, right now, I want to make films. Just get me, like, making a mm-hmm. film. Yeah. Next time, I want to make a, a painting or a sculpture. Like, I just see it as a... Um, sort of way of making, but I know that some people get really like into that whole thing. And I think you can get to a stage where the, yeah, I think it looks too the clean. technology takes over. Mm, really. That's what yeah. I think as well. I used to like, when I was doing photography many years ago, when I was learning how to do photography in the 70s, uh, I used to use it as a way of gathering images. I wasn't really hyper fussy, so you know, my results offended people that do photography seriously because I might have little fingerprints in them or hairs appearing yeah, that yeah, had yeah. been on uh, the paper when I was exposing it. But all of that I quite liked. I quite liked the, the rough edge to things. So yeah. I think I'm the same with... what It's a while since I did any video, but I remember doing stuff like... I was more into like filming. I would film through old oil lamp 
you know, the glass. Oh, the blown glass, yeah. yeah. Film through stuff like that, or I would do time lapse where I was scattering paint into sinks and things, and I was getting. Oh, um, wow. And then, you know, editing it so it, it layered kind of up. Ha- happened organically. Mm-hmm. Layered up. I was into all of that more than the technical aspect of it. So I'd like to get back into that, really. But I would, I definitely need to invest in something with memory in it. And then I'll be coming to you getting uh, <laughs> advice on how to do it. So. Very brief lesson. <laughs> Press play, yeah. stop. Exactly. Well, that's, what I need. that's how you delete I'll it. Where's play? Because I'm that, <laughs> yeah. that old fashioned. You know? It's funny when, when I. Mouse. When I taught myself, I kind of was just like, I'm going to do this by myself because if somebody is teaching me this, they're going to get really frustrated with me because I just don't take technology and things like that in very easily. So I was like, Joe, you need to learn this yourself. Like, But yeah, I find that there's a lot of like, um, I don't know what you think about this, looking at people coming out of art schools and stuff, but there is a, quite a big shift to like um, video maker, yeah, filmmakers yeah, and like... Um, art that's like photography rather than like a bit more sculpture but maybe not such a big uh, thing about painting and stuff I'm seeing I think it's just because that's what people enjoy you know they're so yeah. used to using a computer and mm-hmm. because uh, of the generations that have been brought up yes, using technology exactly. is such a you know accessible thing yeah. and it's it's an easy jump then to to move into yeah. I mean, if you're very quick on using a computer yeah, you can get into you know, the technology of art-based, mm. you know, CAD design and yeah. other digital things, you can get into that quite quickly. But, but I am noticing a shift again back into, like, painting and stuff, though. I do see, like, there is some artists who are really going back to old-school painting, mm. like, and you see a lot of it on Instagram. It's quite funny that they're using, like, a social media platform yeah. to promote a way of art that is, like, I think more traditional. music, though, that people, you know, the it's not a new thing, but people have gone back to using analog um, recording equipment rather mm-hmm. than digital, you know, reel-to-reel tapes and stuff like that, uh, to get a less digital sound. I know there's arguments from people about if you can really tell the difference and all of that. I'm not going to get into all of that as an argument. <laughs> but I quite like, you know, again, little errors and rough roughness in the ways of working that you probably wouldn't get digitally. Yeah. So, so like maybe glitches. Mus- you know. Maybe musical experimenter is a good way of <laughs> describing. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. But what thinking about people working different ways, my partner in life yeah. and in mm-hmm. a band, although she's currently busy with another band that are doing pretty well called Bordell and they've got gigs left, right and centre just now. <laughs> um, she records very differently from me she and her partner in another band uh, they're really into their 60s equipment so they've got like keyboards and things that to me look highly dangerous because they, they've got you know power supplies that don't look to me overly safe and they make weird smells when they get switched on she likes all of the original 60s mm-hmm. equipment and you know very old guitars and stuff like that but when she's recording, she uses Pro Tools on a Mac. Mm-hmm. And it's totally alien to me because I like looking at, you know, a bouncing signal going vertically yeah. whereas she's working horizontally. Yeah. And, 
you know, she'll maybe ask me to add a guitar to it and I'll send her uh, something with guitar panned extremely right with one version and extremely left with the other one because actually I'm used to working so she can take them both in and then choose one but actually that's not how she works Yeah, she's not working recording in stereo, she's recording in mono and then slowly positions it on a on a kind of visual layout whereas I'm recording very much in a left right stereo yeah. old fashioned style, I'm still thinking in, in terms of VUs moving on an old reel to reel so although I've got a digital recorder here this is one of these standalone digitals that mm -hmm. produced for old people that are set in their ways that can't work, <laughs> can't work new technologies. Never. Well, it is, yeah. In fact, I was so pleased to get this one. I had one before, it was all knobs. Mm -hmm. And knobs are no use if I'm trying to fade in six things at one yeah, time. Yeah, you don't have enough hands I can't to do turn all. six knobs. Yeah. But this one has got sliders, so that's, you know, that's mm. great. That kind of suits me. Old, old style, yeah, and I know this is like I just suddenly thought about this. Like me and you, mutual person we know both know Charlie Buckin, um, and his music. Um, he like works with lots of different musicians and stuff. But we recently, me and uh, Andrew Davidson, made a video for him for one of his. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, really enjoyed that for one of his so uh, songs. Space and it was one. quite yeah, it was quite yeah, surreal, was great, like space yeah. and stuff. Um, have you ever fun, yeah, yeah, really, really good. But um, I was just thinking, like, have you ever thought about? Have you ever made any videos for your songs, any of your music? Yes, very early on. I think it's mm -hmm. mentioned earlier. I did it with VHS tapes, so yeah. finding them would be the thing with me. Where if, if I've still got them, I might have chucked them out years yeah. ago. But uh, yeah, I did do things. I did one that I quite enjoyed. I recall where I I videoed my head and various other heads <laughs> and in those days you could have a wee circle where you could superimpose and I positioned the wee circle oh, where, yeah, yeah. where the mouth was so but stupidly I, I didn't have a a subtle fade around the circle so it was very <laughs> sharp you know but you could have you know if I'd been a wee bit better I could have had a something so Maybe the, that's the, it worked well. the voice kept singing the lines mm -hmm. but the face that was doing it changed some of them were from paintings and things like that you know Oh, that's uh, really cool. Uh, that, that one I remember doing, but I don't think I could ever find it again. But it was good fun. I was just imagining like you animating some of your like collages or something. Well, funny you like, should say that. Yeah. Talking about John Reed, he was going to do that. He came up... Uh, did he come to my flat or did I... So I think I maybe supplied him. He, he asked me to, to... He asked me to take photos of, of myself looking to the right, looking slightly up to the right looking more up to the right, looking right above my head, <laughs> looking slightly left, looking a bit more left, looking sharp left, and he was going to animate images from my collages coming over oh, my head yeah, yeah, yeah. as I was playing sort of thing, which was a good idea, but I don't think it ever happened. But live, I did do a gig in Garthney House, which mm -hmm. is one of the buildings between the architecture and the art school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that's what that was called, so it's so weird. It's so like they stayed right next to them. Nice old building. Yeah, I know exactly and, what you're uh, Again, Charlie, to, to mention Charlie, organised a mm -hmm. night where he played and various other people played, and I played, and John did projections. Now, recently when Barrett's Total Beauty, the band I'm in with mm -hmm. Gail play, 
Jim Wilkie, psychedelic Jim has been doing fantastic. Yeah, like amazing kind of psychedelic retro psychedelic. Yeah, like the inside of a lava lamp. It's yeah, so they're, cool. they're amazing, really, really. Yeah, good. I, I tend to I not, not well. see them till after because I'm so busy playing I can't look at them, but they're really fantastic. But this this night, John did uh, a really good animated one. He had the the Spira Marshall College repeated umpteen times coming up through the ground like drilling things. Like moles oh, coming out yeah, and then going yeah. up, and then he had all sorts of weird things going across. At one point, he'd my face superimposed on a moon rolling in from the side, <laughs> and they were great. So, so that's total. almost like weird. It's almost like a collaboration. It's kind yeah. of like you're using. It's like your art, but he's also the hmm. part of it, and like you're collaborating together. Yeah. It's like that was, but that was before I was in here, so it's coincidental that he yeah. used Marshall. I think I had used Marshall and collages, so he'd maybe noticed that. So. I'd, I, yeah, I could see, you know, John producing the video really easily, but mm-hmm. in live work, a combination of his way of working and Jim's way of working, to my mind, would be just out of this world, you know, the two of them working together would be something yeah, else, yeah. combining the retro stuff with a much more modern, um, but equally effective yeah. um, do people animation. Do people ever ask you about, like videos or like when you release music because obviously you know you're quite well known as a musician as kitchen cynic not really that way i'm a kind of niche market you know yeah maybe it's just because like in aberdeen everyone seems everyone seems to know even in aberdeen i was speaking to somebody who was in a band they'd never heard of me you know introduced to um in fact at that opening the david blythe opening i was speaking to george gosh forgotten the second name but he used to be the drummer in APB Aberdeen band that did quite well they went to yeah. went to New York supported James Brown and there's like that in New York oh, wow. and it's there's a book about Aberdeen bands called Fit Like New York and that was <laughs> named after them they'd come on stage in New York and say because they're all from Ellen they'd come on stage to this you know New York audience and gone Fit Like New York Nobody would have really known how to respond. But anyway, I was speaking to George, and he hadn't really heard of my stuff. You know, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a local musician. I wasn't ever featured in these books or anything like that. So I kind of I work away at a low level, really, which yeah. I'm quite happy with. It's quite, quite anonymous. Yeah, it's better to be that way, I think, sometimes. Do you prefer that, do you think? Um, it lets me get on with my own thing, which yeah. is... Quite you can choose what gigs you want to do and stuff rather yeah, than being yeah. like being kind of pickier that way the last few years yeah. stopped doing so many local gigs and I have got some coming up but they're to me it's like a little mini holiday treat the last time I played Gail was playing in Papa Westry oh, island wow. off of mm-hmm. Orkney uh, and I was asked to play on one song of the four that she was doing they were quite long pieces she was doing so uh, also meant I could roadie and carry yeah, on and go to gear, and you know, but that was it was great we didn't get to do the the short hop which is from Westray to Papa Westray that's the shortest scheduled flight in the world oh is it how but long is it it's say about two minutes or something like that. <laughs> but the, the one we took was only about ten minutes from mainland Orkney to Papa Westray the, 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 I think there's four flights a day or something like that and but only one of them does the, the very short one it goes to Westray first Mm-hmm. And then it hops across, but ours went just to Papa Westry. But got on the plane. Can I ramble a bit? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was quite, quite thrilled because we were queuing up to get on. 
and there was a few people getting on and one of the guys at the airport uh, at Kirkwall said to the pilot, you're going to have to get somebody with a bit of weight up front to balance <laughs> out. And at first I was mildly offended that they hauled me out of the line because I'm not that heavy, you know. But I got it's your sick. height, it's your height. It was yeah, that's a nice, Just go with that. very kind of you, I'll, I'll use that in the future. Um, but I got to sit with the pilot and got the, the earphones Big earphones. On. Yeah, it was great. But totally the, professional. So that was great. But then, then he said to me, oh, we're, as just after we'd taken off, he said there was a little private plane took off, he said, about five minutes ago. He should be well in front of us, he said. But if you could just keep your eye open on the right-hand side, I'll watch the left, he says. I used to fly, um, Jesus. you know, you know prop, big big airline things. And quite often, he said, you'd come out of a cloud, he says, and a 747 would go flashing past. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so... He said, you'd see, he says, you'd see it on the radar. He says, it wasn't that big a shock. He says, but if you, said, you just keep your eye open. So the first five minutes of the 10-minute the ten minute flight, I was gazing out the in side. Fear. In total in fear. Out of fear. But until he said, there he is up front. You can relax now. So, phew. Then I was able to look down and enjoy the, the scene. But that was, a, that was the last time I played. So that was a wee exciting thing. And then I've got one coming up in about a week and a half. In Aberystwyth. Oh, I love Aberystwyth, yeah. I played with Gail there last year, I think. And it was... uh, Have you been on the the cable car? Yeah, we went up to that. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I stayed at a campsite across the other side of that cliff. Oh, yeah. And you could climb up the cliff and then go down there into it. And the view of the town... Aberystwyth was lovely, though, is it? I climbed Uh, up as well when it was... It's a lovely wee place. Climbed up as well. Another occasion went up the top. But to, um, when we took the railway up there, it's part of what you call it, funicular. Oh, it's thing. funicular railways yeah. and it's not a cable car. Yeah. Well, we took that up, there, was a, there were ravens flying about checking us out, which, you know, being into birds, that was quite exciting. But, but that was a weird gig because it was all the um, guys doing no input electronics. Oh. Where they were, they were playing about with effects, but with nothing coming into them. Oh. Or they would touch the input with things. They weren't actually playing instruments. There was a guy, uh, Toshi Nakamura, who does film soundtracks and stuff like that. He was the, he was a big draw. I wasn't really aware of him before, mm-hmm. and I thought it might be a small crowd. There was a guy playing Rodri Davies. It's quite a big name in experimental music. He's just he's actually done a far less experimental album with Richard Dawson mm-hmm. in a band called Hen Ogled. And I noticed in the list of albums that's coming out for Record Store Day. He's on an album with David Sylvian that used to be in Japan that's coming out for it. Anyway, so he's kind of, right. he's not particularly well known, but he does weird things with a harp. Plays a harp and gets bizarre noises and that. But anyway, I thought it would be a small crowd, but it was stowed out. It was just, there was yeah. two around the block, so that was really good. So it's the same people that put that on, they're putting on this one that's called Listen to the Voice of Fire. But they've asked me to do my own stuff solo at it. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be exciting. Yeah. And then summer I'm doing one in Cleave House in Wiltshire, which was... Oh, yeah. A, it belonged to the Wolf family. For, you know, Virginia oh, Virginia Wolf, Wolf and yeah. Clive Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the actual event's called Wolf Music. It's the second one the fans. Oh, it's name. Wolf too. And I'm a big fan of Vanessa Bell and Duncan Grant and the mm-hmm. artists that were part of the Bloomsbury set of which Virginia Woolf was, you know, Vanessa Bell being her sister. So I'm quite excited about that. So I've been yeah. picking up the 
Virginia Woolf novels that I haven't read. I don't know if they're up there probably yeah, further along. Yeah, get yourself all inspired. Yeah, I've it. only actually read two, so I'm wanting to read a few more. I don't know, I don't know if they're actually there or if I've taken them home now. But like you need to go home. I've only got a couple of months to read them, so I better get stuck yeah. in. So. But anyway. I guess like doing all these trips further away as well are like really inspiring for your work because it means like even though you're based in Aberdeen, like you're getting all these other influences and bringing yeah. them back here and then making work that people are seeing here. That Yes, just bringing something new to I the city. That, and that's stuff. definitely true. I think I was I was kind musically of, as well. I, guess. I was pretty self-contained for mm-hmm. a long time, um, and I like exploring local area a lot. Mm-hmm. So I would be going, you know, down to Aylith or something, or you know, up to Sanine. You know, I wasn't really going terribly far. I did go occasionally abroad and all of that, but just in the last few years, I think. Um, Gail's pulled me out my bucky a wee bit and she's called me to place and I've enjoyed that so yeah, much yeah. It is, as you say it's quite healthy uh, to do that and in fact two summers ago a uh, friend of a friend was trying to let a flat in Glasgow for three months and she'd arranged to let it to somebody that was moving back to Glasgow having been in America mm-hmm. and she was going to use it as a base to look for flats but then she must have got a flat or something. Yeah. And the friend that was trying to let it was left with it. She couldn't sublet it for the first month, couldn't get anybody to take it on. And it was really cheap. It was a, a cheap flat in Govan. Yeah. Uh, so I thought I could just just about afford it. It was before I had a studio here. I couldn't yeah. afford it now. But yeah, it was yeah. just about the same per month as this room is. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, so I thought I can do that for two months. So if, it was good having two months staying in Glasgow just to explore it a bit more, explore the south side a bit more and you know, find out more of what was happening down there where yeah. there's quite a good scene musically and artistically, obviously. Yeah. And do you, what do you think of the scene in Aberdeen? Is there a scene, I don't know, I'm saying the scene in Aberdeen, it's kind of like, it's, it's lots of fa- factors, exactly, isn't it? It's very split, there's not really exactly a scene. That's what I was going to say, there's lots of <laughs> fragmented mini-scenes on Yeah, there. I've always thought that, especially now, it seems yeah. to be there's lots of pockets of stuff going on, but there's not a lot of um, joined up togetherness, yeah. like kind of... I, I found in the music, because there were so few venues, you got... You got friendly people that played in totally different styles. Mm-hmm. Like I got chummy with C Starry that play more shoegazy type stuff. Yeah. Your friend with Min Diesel that's took another kettle of fish. Um, oh yeah, I know someone out Depeche of that. Depeche Mode, yeah. people like oh, that. Oh yeah, Stuart Ross. And the uh, yeah. Bill Thompson that did. Oh, I know Bill Thompson as an artist. Yes. Yeah, 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 as yeah. art and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Did, well, did quite um, weird laptop. Mm-hmm. The music. I think Maya, that's got a studio here as well. She knows them through the music side of things. So yeah. She she does art music as well. Uh, but I found that because Everdy knew Everdy, sort of knew what was going on with the music. You'd know where there was, you know, for instance, at university, the Keith Rowe improviser from, um, you know, cohort of Derek Bailey and people like that. A lot of you know, weird stuff like that was happening. You found out about it through people quite easily but I find with the art side even though I'm in here mm-hmm. I'm missing things yeah you know people say oh did you go to such and such a show and because I'm an old out of the out of the loop man it doesn't really Music. engage with you know do you have, do you have Instagram and stuff no I don't do, I've only got Facebook, Facebook. I've got Facebook yeah. but uh, I do find out occasionally about things on Facebook but I miss things that I probably would have enjoyed if I knew a bit more about it, so I know I sometimes wish that there was a bit more 
joined up. I think it's because each each kind of group maybe has a very different way of thinking about yeah. the art, about art and creativity and what it means to them and what they think should be happening in Aberdeen. And I think that all those different groupings kind of are maybe always going to stay slightly separate. Yes. But I, I think you see a lot of crossovers of support and stuff and, you know, like, different people doing different things. Like, it's great, like, um, John and Mary's Studio Cocoon. Have you been there, up to there? No, I haven't. On Rosemount, and it's... They're doing, like, residency programmes mm-hmm. at the minute and stuff. And oh, is that the one in the old school building? No. No, it's like, you know, Rosemount Place? It's, like, just on the corner... Um, up a, in like a little side alley and they've got like a studios in there so like that and then like Ray's got his music Ray Fisher's got his music studio over in Torrey and tendency towards and stuff but I think it's all very different you know parts of like Aberdeen yeah. it's like but it's good I guess it makes it vibrant and I think you're dead right it, it, there's a vibrancy but if you're not aware of the vibrancy you think yeah. there's not much happening you I sometimes get... think people presume social media is the only way now and there's not a lot of like actual folk catching up and like yeah. chatting and yes. stuff yeah which is a shame really but, you know I think you're right that it's people furling about in a little mini uh, globe of creativity mm-hmm. but the, there's a lot of globes but they're not coming together <laughs> to form to form you know, an overall like, an overall whatever it is <laughs> yeah. an overall load of balls yeah <laughs> some, giant like that, ball a giant ball but uh, a snow globe of, of uh, excitement but uh, yeah because I'm I was only aware of things like 26 Collective through the musical side of it yeah you know, and <clears> I should have been more aware of things like that and I hadn't heard of that when you were talking about until you mentioned it really um, I know there was I think wasps have taken over the one down by the harbour and Shore Lane. There were studios there. But oh yeah, yeah. Friend of mine had a studio in there, but it wasn't a kind of area you wanted to go down at night. It was pretty. That's unpleasant. why I never. That's why when I those studios came here, I was like, oh, that's much more central and like feels a bit safer going yeah, out at night yeah, and stuff like that. It's more city centre. Yeah, I, I, I think with music, there used to be Aberdeen Music Forum that lots of people from different disciplines went on it. You'd get your jazz musician group, mm-hmm. you'd get your noise guys, you'd get your folk guys coming on, you'd get poppy covers, bands and things like that. And that was a, a good kind of like a post where you could pin things onto and let people read it. But I don't think there is a one overriding art one in Aberdeen, unless there is that you'll know about, but I just don't. No, I, I think like there's people that are trying to do blogs and stuff, but often the stuff's talked about maybe after it's happened or too close to it happening for people to be able to attend things or they're maybe not in the know about stuff and yeah, that's the only thing that I wish there was a bit more of a someone taking the lead on that somehow. I don't know how that what that would look yeah, like, I, I but it's a difficult but, thing. And there's John, as you were speaking. John yeah, that's what I mean. John's very good. Yeah, his blog's and great. Fifty-seven degrees north. Degrees yeah, north's good. Things like that, but but you know, one I guess that, for so many like people, a go-to one for everybody would be mm-hmm. quite good. I think in a, uh, for a lot of people as artists, I mean, I know you're retired as a teacher but like for a lot of artists like they're working so like Mm. they're working and trying to be artists or trying to be musicians and working and there's a lot a lot going on yeah Yeah. and you haven't got time to yeah they need somebody who's like gonna take that on it's like quite a big expectation i guess Mm -hmm. but um but i think there are people working more on the physical side of things you know the 
space that people can use. Yeah, that's what I think too. Like a gym, you and is, mm-hmm, is definitely very good at that. You know, I think there are people beginning to identify underused buildings that can be then utilised as an art space. But the the worry nowadays would be funding the the forthcoming cuts. Yeah, well, I was just talking to Jim about that. Yes. Actually, well, we're, <laughs> we're kind of lucky because we're out the loop of that, not not getting funded. But yeah. so many other people are going to get hit by it. You know, the dance folks downstairs and that. Yeah, I know. I know. Rooms, that's why I was hearing. They could be in, in the lot of trouble. I think that's the potential danger of relying on funding as well. Though, like I was saying to Jim, you know, like if you're relying on yourselves, sometimes you know it might not be great, and you might not have much money, but at least you know you know, it can only get better, do you know what I mean? But if you put so much onus on relying on someone else to fund something, you know... Yeah. You're, you're kind of hanging by a thread. The arts are the so first place they cut, you know what yeah, I mean? So sort of you kind of got to always know that it's going to be a potential danger. Yeah. I think that's why I work, like, and have a job, because I know that that's, like, a stable, like, it's all, it's a factor that's solid, so then... I think that's a sensible thing to do, really. Yeah. But I think in an ideal world, you would get a well-paid part-time job. If oh, there is dream. Such I'd a love thing. that. <laughs> I'd love to work <laughs> part-time. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the kind of thing that would have had me probably still painting after I left art school. Because in those days, I think, in my class, just about everybody went and got a job bar a couple of people that were financially very mm-hmm. well off, mm-hmm. families with a lot of money, and they're the two that kind of made it. You know, because they didn't have the stress of having to worry oh, about yeah, paying definitely. for a studio. So, mm-hmm. so uh, one of them had uh, went and bought a flat round the corner from Harrods when he left art yeah. school and carried on painting. And he's got a reasonably good name in London. And the other one, he, you know, again, I won't go into names. Both the parents were doctors and there was no problems there financing studios yeah. until she kept painting and, and did very well. So... Kind of sounds a bit like sour grapes on my part because it is. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like you can tell. Like there's a lot of people that are artists that are, you know, not needing to worry about money, and they are usually the ones that have got more time on their hands to yeah. make and be creative and stuff like that. And but that's not the reality for everyone. And more and more, you know, um, like I said in my podcast like a year ago, like I never had that luxury, you know, my dad was like, you're leaving art school, what are you going to do, do you know what I mean? Mm. It wasn't like, yeah. go and be an artist. And, yeah, and we'll give you go on the you know, dole, so you know. much per month. Yeah, yeah. Get you the, what, that money running. wasn't there, so mm. I've always kind of felt like I've had to fight against it, and I probably have a bit of that, like, ah, mm. because uh, it's like... It's a bit frustrating, because I can think of, you know, at least three people that were in my year at art school that had fantastic talents. Mm-hmm. Um... But ultimately, that fantastic talent wasn't recognised by ending. They gave up, I think, because they had to go and work. And like you were saying earlier, too knackered at the end of the day to to pursue it, really. Mm -hmm. And just lack of time to pursue it. If you're working all day, you can't then work 12 hours at night because then you won't be able to work all day after. So, you know, it's. I think, yeah, people will need funding to, to... keep themselves going really but then if the funding is going to get chopped yeah how frustrating would that be I know um well that might lead on to my question like this is a bit of a like 
classic question on an interview, but like if you could give someone a piece of advice after they left art school, what would it be? Based on like your life your like yeah. creatively and like since leaving art school. So I think for a lot of graduates it's quite like maybe they don't think it's daunting because they're still in that like, woohoo, I've just left art school. But. Well I my my advice would be don't play safe because I've got mm-hmm. what I think is a typical northeast of Scotland you know, you're always a bit nervous to, to go for things in case you fall flat on your face, whereas West Coast folk don't have that. It's all kind of gung-ho for yeah. for doing stuff. And, you know, I, I bought a flat early, but this was just before oil, so they were really cheap in those mm-hmm. days. And and that was an anchor around my neck, really, to stop, stop really going places. I should have maybe gone to Glasgow or gone to London then, but I was a bit nervous about it. Uh, another thing would be uh, watch, you don't get too caught up in a job that's going to cause you a lot of stress as well. So if it's a job that you can enjoy, that's not going to have you knocking your pan out all night worrying about things or having to mm-hmm. prep stuff, then it might seem you know, menial and not a very good job. Yeah. But if it's letting your brain be active later on and go with that. Mm-hmm. So that's the two things I would say, you know, be prepared to move on, but just for experience. I'm not saying it's necessarily better in other places. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I quite like the fact that people stay in Aberdeen and they, then it makes the scene here better, you know, mm-hmm. rather than going where there is a scene. Well, that's okay, but you've just... It's kind of easy, though. You've the Aberdeen scene by doing that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, or go away and come back. Yeah, that's, that's, that's I think I that's healthy. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. very healthy. I think, remember, Donald downstairs, it does a video mm-hmm. art. Is it? I can't remember the second name. Anyway, Donald was... Butler, is it? Yes, Butler, it is, yeah. yeah. He was saying that... He, a lot of people are surprised that he's in Aberdeen, you know, friends of his that are in Edinburgh and things, but what surprised them was that he found it was a lot easier to get funding in Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Don't know if that'll still be the case soon, but, <laughs> but you know, compared to Edinburgh, it was he was finding it easier to pursue what he was doing, mm-hmm. um, which I think... Funding is one reason, you know, but other than that, I think artistically it's good to just get up and go and broaden your horizons a little bit. Yeah. So my two regrets, not going away and, you know, maybe taking on a flat and a job when I was young enough, I shouldn't have really bothered doing that, I should have concentrated on doing art and music and things that might have given me, you know, a better platform than I had at the time. Yeah. I totally agree with all that. <laughs> Luckily, hopefully, I've done most of that. <laughs> so I take your advice. You were all right. Inadvertently. <laughs> Although I did buy a flat a year ago, so maybe I've not quite done that. But um, so yeah, getting back to like you going forward, like you've got a couple of projects coming up musically, but mm. any art stuff um, um, coming up that we can like watch out for? Have you got any exhibitions? Got an exhibition up? in here in September. Oh yeah, great! It's part of the We Are Tar program. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm. I'm I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to tackle it. I'll definitely have lots of little collages, and you know, maybe know, a giant collage. Well, you know, <laughs> now that you've got me thinking that I might have a couple of big ones in as part of it. But having seen your, you know, way you presented the videos at, at your shows that you've had here, and 
how like Phoebe's done it and other people have done it. I was quite impressed at Phoebe show having projectors at different heights and things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought I've got lots and lots of photographs of collages that I've done over the years, you know, hundreds and hundreds. So I thought I might have a wee slideshow of you know collages yeah, that, from the past that mm-hmm. won't have there physically, but have them showing and the uh, other collage. Whether I'll have paintings in it or not, I don't know because. That show that you mentioned that I had uh, in Kilo years ago, the I think I, I sold one painting. But actually, I hate selling stuff because I don't I don't do it to sell. You know, it's different from music because you can create something that you're really happy with mm-hmm. and then instantly copy it, and people can have that. But with with a painting, it kind it's of like letting go of something. Yeah, isn't it, it upsets me that I do something that I actually quite like, and then it goes away. But I, I sold one painting. Well, I sold two Isla. I sold one and I bartered one, if I'm being honest. Swapped it for things. Um, but the collages, they sold quite easily because mm-hmm. people like, you know, something small and kind of um, a wee bit whimsical, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Um, and how can people see your work and get in touch? Well, not get in touch yeah. with you, like they'll start to stalk you or anything, but <laughs> <laughs> unless you want that. No. But <laughs> What's the best I'll way? I'll say nothing. It's a secret. <laughs> yeah. Gail will be like, yeah. <laughs> on the phone. Well, Gail can stop me, that's all. Oh, yeah. Gail stalks you already. She's probably. a right stop. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Facebook's the best way, really. Mm-hmm. As, as Alan Cynics with an S. Yeah. Uh, I won't go into why, but that's that's... I've had three different lives on Facebook, so it has to be Alan Cynics. That was all the times you were in prison, yeah? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The gaps <laughs> in your career. And uh, there's a Kitchen Cynics page, mm-hmm. that, but I keep forgetting about that. And it doesn't, Facebook doesn't always tell me when people have put comments up on that for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I kind of miss... And is there a place where they can maybe listen to some of your music? Is there Bandcamp? Have you got back? I thought yeah. it was Bandcamp that I saw. I don't really do Bandcamp, or I definitely don't do Spotify or any of these things. But <laughs> Gail <laughs> set up a Bandcamp. Yeah. And she very kindly deals with all that side of it. Yeah. So you know, she'll tell me I need so many copies of this. Okay, so I, I go home and and. Uh, you know, burn CDs or, or I go to Thistle Retrographics and advert yeah. and photocopy covers and stuff like that. Yeah, the band camp, I really liked it because it was almost like a, a blog. Oh, yeah. Seeing all the like pick front covers oh, yeah. and it was like rolling through so it was like art and music at the yes. same time, really interesting. Yeah, the band camp was quite good to show you the collages. Yeah, and, and I think as well to listen to your music and see your art, it, it can, gives the people the whole rounded view of you as an artist. Yeah. But yeah, well, it's been great talking to you and thanks so much for giving me up some of your afternoon. I know you're really busy and everything. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. I hope everyone enjoys listening at home. Thank you. Hey guys, so that was my chat with um, Alan Sinek in his studio at the Anatomy Rooms. Um, Really good to hear a little bit more about his work and what inspires his practice and how much it's changed in different ways over the years. Um... And so, yeah, like if anybody else is up for coming to chat with me or me coming to you and speak to you in your studio, I'm sure I can bring beers and we can have a wee chat. Um, But yeah, uh, keep listening to the Creative Me podcast. And there's lots of other good ones on there already to catch up on. 
Um, and if anyone wants to get in touch with me about doing a chat, my Instagram is at Joe Loves Gold Things. Um, but I'm sure you'll see me tagged in Instagram stories through the Crave Me podcast. But yeah, until then, speak soon. Bye. <laughs>